Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Jeff, and welcome to the Sound Judgment Podcast. Where every episode, we'll be discussing all of the important musical topics, from reviews to which member of Motley Crue is the most vile. I'm gonna judge the officials. I'm gonna judge all the judges. It's gonna take you people years to recover from all my opinions. Did you hit that beautiful red button? Oh, I sure did. It's been going for about a minute now. Oh, boy. That's what I like to hear. It's big and beautiful. Yes. The shiny red button. The shiny red button. Chris, what are we doing? DD, do not touch that button. Um... (laughs) Wow. There's a... There's a callback. I know. Uh, and I put so much effort into that impression. So anyway... (laughs) DD, don't touch that button. (laughs) <laughs> you sounded you sounded just like Dexter. Let me tell you. I know. I you know. So uh, I say it again. Hey, baby, what's up? It looks like I'm starting a podcast that we still don't have a name for. So we're that, off to oh. a good start. Oh, that didn't even occur to me. Yeah. All right. Well, that's fine. You know what? Things don't need names. Like in some cultures, you don't even name a baby until it's like a certain age. So we're doing all right. Actually, I I I, I don't even know if that's entirely true. I don't actually know if, like, that's a thing that some cultures still do. I believe it's a thing that some places did. I have no clue if that's relevant still. Just remember, Jeff, facts are just lies that are true. I don't know if that sigh was audible enough. Trying to redo it for you? No, that was perfectly audible. Thank you. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. So we, we, um, we are changing the format here a little bit, and we're not talking about... Uh, a specific album or anything here. Chris, what are we talking about? Well, I thought it would be a fun idea to talk about one of the most respected, beloved prog bands ever. A band that you and I both adore. But unfortunately, the topic is not Rush this week. (laughs) No, unfortunately, we're talking about Dream Theater, um, which neither of us have any... Um, super strong positive feelings on. Let's just say. Uh, I I want to point out that this started from when we were uh, just kind of discussing where we were going with it and 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 pitching ideas. One of my notes was just why is Dream Theater so intolerable? <laughs> okay, I mean, so I guess I guess that really is the topic is. Basically, why we don't like Dream Theater. Is that what this is? Yeah. Um, so have you solved the equation yet? Because I think I've gotten down to the bottom of it. I mean, quite frankly, I've actually always had a lot of thoughts as to why I don't like Dream Theater. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right off the bat. I've been, I've been doing some homework, so I've been listening to some Dream Theater this week. But I do think, I do think a lot of it comes down to my first initial point, which is just... I wrote James Labrie. As in he's the reason you don't like Dream Theater? I think he's a lot of it. Um, okay, let's start there then, because I'm, I'm going to be honest. As much as I like to make fun of James Labrie, Labrie, that is how he says his name, right? I, I believe that's correct. As, as much as I like to make fun of him, I don't. He is only one piece to this puzzle as to why I don't like Dream Theater. But yeah, sure, let's... Let's begin with talking about James and why I think for a lot of people he's the reason they don't like Dream Theater. I, I think he's I think he's frequently cited as, you know, like the weakest link in this band. As part of my low intro there, I actually meant to include with a divisive singer, 
Um, but I think a lot oh. of people will give Getty the pass because he can also play <laughs> bass. And he's, I mean, obviously one of the greatest bass players. And oftentimes he is playing bass with one hand while playing a synthesizer with another while singing. It's the, the man. The man really is phenomenal. Um, James Labrie, as far as I know, has no instrumental talent to speak of, at least in terms of the greater... I, I don't think it's anything you ever see. Like, I have no doubt that the man has picked up a guitar before in his life, yeah, you know what I mean? Like, right, but in terms of the greater, like, the greater uh, uh, musicianship of Dream Theater, I mean, if nothing else, you you can't deny the musicianship of the band, um, whether or not you, you like their output. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm just saying, I mean, I, the man has been part of Dream Theater since 1991, I guarantee the man, like, you don't get this far as a musician without ever dabbling in other things. I'm sure the man does more than sing. Um, but let's, let's, let's see. So, I actually sent you uh, a couple videos to, to look over. Um, one of which is this video called The Downward Spiral of James Labrie. Have you watched this? I watched a good bit of it and I got a little pissed off because he didn't sing closer once at all. He didn't sing closer? Like, the song, you mean? Yeah, from the Downward Spiral. Oh, God. Son of a bitch. Okay. Alright. Obviously, that wasn't the point. Anyway, the point... Jesus. The video, what it is, is it's like six and a half minutes long. Uh, it's on a YouTube channel. The guy's username is the Ravens Kill Rebel Militia. It's literally just the chorus of the song Pull Me Under, which was one off of their first album. It's probably their biggest song as far as I'm aware. And it's just live recordings from as early as 1992. Up until uh, pretty recently. I think the last recordings were 2016 or 2017 in this video. And you just basically pretty consistently hear that the vocal quality, for the most part, just goes down every video, like every little clip. He just gets a little worse and worse each time. Um, which, again, it, I think it is pretty accepted that James Labrie is the weak point of Dream Theater. But can I raise you, can I raise you what I think the real problem is? I think the problem... And I don't know who the ringleader of Dream Theater is or what sort of democracy setup they have. But I genuinely think that James is not as bad as he comes across. I think this is one of those cases where he is consistently forced to sing at like the absolute limit of his abilities. And he's expected to do it every night, like, flawlessly. Songs like this one in particular, this Pull Me Under, the chorus is, as far as Dream Theater goes, is pretty famous. It's a pretty rough chorus to sing, and it's obviously at, like, the high end of his range. It just kind of hovers around this same little part of his range. And some of the recordings in here, like some of the, the clips 
are actually pretty good. Like, he sounds really good in a couple of these. Other times, he has that, like, dying cat squeal thing going on. Which, to me, like, I'm not a vocal coach, but it sounds like vocal strain. Yeah. He's pushing more than he's actually capable of doing, so... Well, I think he's been, you know, on the on the edge or going beyond what he sounds good doing since the beginning of his career. Yes, okay, but again, my point is, whose decision is that? Because... I genuinely question whenever you have um, singers who do this, I always wonder, is it the singer's decision or is this the case of someone else in the band is actually calling the shots? Um, I think it's pretty well understood, the band Stradivarius. I don't know how much Stradivarius you've ever actually listened to, but it's pretty well understood that former guitar player and primary writer Timo Tolki was the one calling the shots. He was writing these vocal melodies that Timo Cotapelto could technically sing, but couldn't sing them well and consistently. There are some songs that I'm not sure Stradivarius ever performed live, um, and then there's other songs where I've found recordings, and it's just not, it's not pretty. Just because he could do it in the studio doesn't mean he could do it in person. And, and that's a fair point, but do you think James Labrie is a good studio singer? In listening to a little bit of the discography, I don't know that he was bad on the first one, Images and Words, which I has was, pulled yeah, me I was under. Say. But I also think that that, uh, that that album suits his voice pretty well because I think that one's in a little bit more of a rock genre than later on when they would get a little bit more into progressive metal, where I think his voice really suffers from sounding very weak behind the electric, the, the heavier electric guitar. Yeah, so, okay, so again, I, I'm, I'm questioning who's responsible for this. Because do I ultimately think James Labrie is a good singer? The answer is, is, is ultimately yes. I think in his element when he's doing his thing correctly, I think he's phenomenal. I don't think his voice is as good as it once was. But I think on the first album, I think his voice is pretty incredible the entire way through. It's just, could he do that on tour? Could he do that night after night? And the answer is absolutely not. And I think because that album's 31 years old now or whatever. When did that album come out? I don't remember exactly. I want to say 92. 92. Okay, so he's doing it for, he's been doing some of those songs for 30 years. Like, yeah, no, he's not going to be as good as he was when he was 30. Well, okay. Um, and there's there's a good point to be made in there. What do you think of his, what I like to call, shitty Hetfield voice? Um, so, this is another, this is another, um, in my opinion, there's three stages of James Labrie. There's, he fits this song and he comes off fine. Actually, I'm going to go with four. Uh, he doesn't fit this song and he sounds weak as fuck. Um, shitty James Hetfield and just anytime he does a ballad, I kind of cringe. Wait, why do you cringe at the ballads? I have thoughts on this. I'm curious why you cringe at the ballads. 
so I don't know. It's just every time he does a ballad, I I feel like he goes into. Again, he just doesn't. I feel like there needs to be. I think of like a ballad, like having a power ballad, and then there's again just he has a range, but there's no power beneath the range. Like he doesn't when he hits a high note, it doesn't sound like there's anything behind it, like a Bruce Dickinson. It sounds like he's almost going falsetto, like King Diamond, but not yeah. completely. Carry me to the shore. No, absolutely. He he is kind of trying to do at least like a, a reinforced falsetto type right. thing. But where with um, King Diamond, that's the style that he's going for. It sounds like James wants to be more like Bruce Dickinson. He just doesn't have that power in his highs. No, no, he doesn't. And I don't know if th- there there's a few different factors to that. One is that because he's already done the damage to his voice and yet he's still being told, no, you have to do this. Or is that just his voice just doesn't fit his voice just doesn't fit the band, which I think is what you're kind of getting at. Like, and it is kind of what it is what I'm kind of getting at. And and the thing is, uh, uh, at the end of the day, I I could look at this and say, yeah, James Labrie isn't the worst vocalist I've ever heard. He's certainly there. There are worse vocalists out there that I enjoy because they fit their band better. And him being the weakest point of Dream Theater kind of stands for me because even if he's technically better than a Dave Mustaine or something, he fits the music like shit sometimes. Okay. Can I say it? Yeah. In what way is that different than King Diamond? Because I'm sorry. Like, like, no, truth be told, I will take James Labrie over King Diamond any day. Absolutely any day. Like there is, there is no excuse for how god awful I think that man's falsetto is. I cannot stand his voice, and that's an opinion for another day, maybe. No, uh, I'm just will... saying though. But like, obviously, I'm gonna kind of ride you here. Like you, 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 you are saying that James Labrie just doesn't fit the band, and I'm kind of thinking like that's the case for a lot of people. Just saying, um. And now maybe it, but maybe it is just the style that they're going for. Maybe that's the sound they want. I don't really know because I have a lot of other complaints about Dream Theater's music than that. But I, as much as I think he's the weakest link, I question how much of that is actually his fault, and I question how much of that is just a, a you know, stylistically this just isn't for me. Okay, so because let's face it, I mean, yo, go, go, let's bring back Getty Lee. If if there if you if you find somebody who passionately hates Rush, I would bet money that the reason they hate Rush is Getty's voice. Oh yeah, absolutely. But to me, for some reason, for reasons that I can't put into words, I think Getty's voice fits Rush beautifully. He's not actually the greatest singer ever, but I think his weird nasally voice works incredibly well. Well, and I think that we also. Uh... We talked about having a further conversation about other bands with uh, singers who either lost it or aren't considered very good. So this is a further conversation we could have. Yeah, but, absolutely. But if you don't think James Labrie is the main is is the only problem for you, the only culprit, who are we attacking next? <laughs> who am I attacking next? 
I don't know if I necessarily want to attack any of them, mostly because they kind of all come across as huge dicks. They're not... Maybe that's part of my problem, too. Um, so you're... It's... it's it's What year was that? 2011. We're seeing Iron Maiden. We're seeing Dream Theater open for them again. You're storming yes. the stage. Who are you punching first? Oh, I mean, okay, so... Am I am I me in 2011 or am I me right now? Because me in 2011 was 100% blaming James Labrie. Okay. 2011 me, when Dream Theater was on stage, right? Yeah. Seeing Iron Maiden, opener is Dream Theater, Dream Theater's on stage, and I make the decision to go away from the pavilion itself and go grab food at one of the stands surrounding the, the venue area, right? Yeah. My hatred was almost entirely pointed at James Labrie. Okay, so who are you punching because, today, though? So, I don't... The problem is I don't know. Okay. The problem is I actually tried finding more information about this, and I genuinely don't know who I want to blame. I'm just saying I think there's actually more to it than this, because having watched a handful of interviews with James over the past week and listened to a lot more Dream Theater than I ever thought I would, to be perfectly honest with you, and I'm not happy about this. <laughs> um, I really am questioning if if James is delusional or if he's being pushed to do a style that he's just not able to do, or is this just one of those cases where, you know, he could do it once upon a time and who am I to tell him that he should stop doing it? I'm not going to go tell Rob Halford to stop singing either, even though he does not sound uh, quite the way I think anyone would like him to. I'm not going to tell him, dude, you should stop. You don't sound as good as you did when you were 35. Like, absolutely not. Let him do his thing. He's still better than me. Man, you don't like how Painkiller sounds these days? I have almost never liked how Painkiller sounded. I have found so <laughs> few recordings of Painkiller that I actually like, and almost all of them were sung by not Rob Halford. <laughs> In fact, I'm not sure if I've ever heard a live recording that Rob did that I actually like. He actually, I don't think he could do Painkiller back in I, the day either. That's that, and that is actually bringing up one of my issues here. And again, now I don't know who I'm blaming here, but this is a thing that there are many, many people who are guilty of this. I have this problem. If you are going, if you are an artist who intends on performing live, I don't think you have any right doing something in the studio that you can't do in a live setting. Unless, like, you're not going to perform the song live. Well, that's what I said. Like, um, yeah. like if, if the intent is to do it live. Obviously, I have no problem with studio bands doing whatever they want. Or if the whole point of your album is to use all of the studio magic, by all means, go for it. Like, I listen to enough, enough electronic music that doesn't exist in a live setting. That's not the point of the music. That's totally fine. But if you are doing something in the studio that you intend on replicating live... I don't think you have any right doing it unless you can actually pull it off. And I think some of the biggest culprits of this are James Labrie, again, whether it's his decision or not, I don't know, and Adele. Oh, I know. I know how much Every time I see... No. No, I do not, sir. Every time I see... Every time I see Adele's face, I just want... I just... I just want to scream. I just want to scream at her. What are you doing? Because the problem I have 
is she does these things in the studio that she doesn't even pretend to do live. Right. Uh, the, the chorus to the song, Someone Like You. In the studio, she, like, brings the melody up. And if you really care, I can pull up, like, specifically what I'm referring to. Um, but she does this, you know, Don't forgive me! Like, it's way up in her vocal range, and she sounds like a dying rat. And if you hear, like, just the vocal track, it sounds almost painful. Don't forget me, I think in a live setting, she changes the melody. She brings it back down to the way the writer, Dan Wilson, sang it. You hear this, this, don't forget me, I beg. Like, he brings the melody down some, and it's a really well-written melody. It's actually a really great song. And that's how she sings it live, too. I I hate the fact that the studio recording did this high-screechy bullshit that she never actually does. Like, how dare you? That is false advertising to me. And, of course, we can't wait to hear uh, Pantera, the newly reformed Pantera, perform Shattered on their upcoming 2023. Oh... Oh my god, no. I Can I bring up a, a a caveat to that though? Absolutely. Like obviously I I will give leeway to <clears throat> if it's something that is just a a technically demanding piece of performance and you can't do it anymore. Even if Phil Anselmo were not the raging piece of shit that he is. Um, I would not ever expect him to sing a song like Shattered or the ending to Cemetery Gates. Just given the 30-some years since those songs were released, I'm not expecting a man in his 50s or 60s to be able to do that anymore. Like, I would forgive that. But, to me, as a musician, I think the answer to that is you need to rearrange the song in some way whether you rewrite how the vocals are or if you just sing them an octave lower or if you just literally rewrite how the song is performed. I'm okay with any of these answers. What I don't want to see is I do not want to see Phil get out there trying to scream, you know, those high G's or whatever in in Shattered and just make a fool of himself. I don't want to see it. Except I do. Only in the case of Phil, I actually want to see it happen. <laughs> if you want to see a reunion that was, uh, I mean, everyone wanted Zach Wilde in Pantera, and if you really want to see some Pantera fans have their dreams shattered, that'd be a great way to do it. Oh yeah, I'm all on board with it. But it is interesting to hear that Phil apparently wants to do uh, the high screeching vocals on a future album, or so he said in a recent. That's interview. what I. That's what I read in an, in a recent interview. Um, I could pull it up for you if you want to. I don't remember where I saw this exactly. In fact, I probably have a screenshot of the title because I feel like I sent it to people. Regardless, 2011 me, yes, 100% punching James James Labrie. Today, I don't know whose fault it is. I don't know if it's just a matter of I don't like his voice for the music. I don't know if it's a matter of he's being pushed to do something else that he shouldn't. I don't know if it's a matter of he just wants to keep pretending he can do something. That all being said, I'm going to get off of the off of off of James's case here. We're going to move on. You taking a swing at John Petrucci now? 
I'm going to take a swing at whoever writes their lyrics. Do we know who that is, or do we have to take a look? I actually don't. I had every intention of looking, but part of me doesn't want to know who the lyricist is. Oh, well, it looks like on the first album you're uh, throwing a lot of swings at Petrucci, so... That does not at all surprise me, to be honest with you. So... Uh, I don't know. Pick an album. Which one? Which one did you hate the most while you were listening to the lyrics? I don't. I don't have. There is no. There is no tier list. Lyrically, Dream Theater. They are solid. They are solid garbage tiers. Well, and I think that's why we can both agree. And there's. A, I'm looking just like taking a peek through the albums. I mean, everyone's name is showing up a little bit here and there, but I'm seeing a lot of Petrucci. I, I think we can agree that the uh, the best Dream Theater albums are actually Liquid Tension Experiment. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. They they sure are. Um Liquid Tension Experiment just just to clarify is an instrumental like progressive metal band that is basically the members of Dream Theater minus vocalist James Labrie. It's not literally though. I forget who all's in that. I'm almost positive it's Mike Petrucci and Jordan Rudess, right? I don't know if yes. bass player John Myung Myung. I don't know how he says it. I don't know if I don't know if the bass player is the same. I don't know if the drummer was Mike Portnoy. It is in Portnoy. It is, it is it, Portnoy. Okay. It is Portnoy and Petrucci. Um, oh, is it not Jordan Rudis or Rudess? I don't know how he says his name actually. Yeah, no, he is. Yeah, no, yeah, Jordan, he is. The yeah, keyboardist, no, he is. Jordan Rudis, is in Liquid Tension Experiment. Okay, it's just uh, not the bassist then. Okay, so it's not John. Gotcha. Oh, it's. It's. It looks like they actually have um, Tony Levin of of King Crimson as their oh really racist. yes oh weird Oh, okay wow there's which technically there's makes a... them a super group there's another garbage band I could talk about someday but that's fine we'll hey, be, we'll, we'll be, no don't even start be, we'll get to be my nice of they're King breaking Crimson up some other they're day. breaking up be nice to oh them this thank week. thank oh, God oh come on. That's a, no, people yeah, need to stop pretending they actually listen to King Crimson. Start acting like 20th Century Schizoid Man's not a good song. Come on. No, 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 no. You people need to stop pretending that that's not their only song. I am convinced. I and I and I'm not even kidding. Like this isn't like some joke exaggeration story. I am genuinely convinced that most people who say they are Kim, King Crimson fans only yeah. know two like one or two songs and they use that as their basis of well i like this band and i like what the band represents therefore i'm going to say i'm a fan because when you talk to people who say they are king crimson fans and i am yet to personally meet someone who it does not fit this description they all talk about things like how like the technical prowess and how king crimson is basically just dream theater from decades ago and how Robert Fripp is like this mastermind shred guitarist who sits in the back corner and commands his troops from afar. And if you listen to King Crimson, none of their music is that. They are atmospheric folk. There is, there is nothing shred technical progressive rock about any of their music aside from atheist music like that. I'm genuinely that most I'm saying that in a way of stop pretending you can pick a better band to fit your image. There's better options out there. 
tell me you listen to Consider the Source, because they are what you think Kid Crimson is. Please. I'm gonna cry now. Well, <laughs> I think you took that a little far. No, I actually really don't. Like, I, I very genuinely believe that, because, again, I mean, obviously, I am a, I am one person. This is purely my anecdotal evidence, but I am yet to meet somebody who says they like King Crimson and actually knows more than a couple songs. Like, they really are one of those bands that I think people say they like because of the image and because of the, um, because of the, what's the word I'm looking for? There's a better word than image. But it's almost like, like I'm clout? a king. Yeah, it's like because clout? of like, oh, okay. this is what you like. I'm telling you, I like King Crimson, so you can make certain assumptions about me. And I just genuinely think there's better options for you out there. So if you are one of these people who really likes a song of 21st century Schizoid Man, and you say you like King Crimson, there's better out there. Like you, you can find things that that are what you think King Crimson is. No, I hate. I can't stand oh, King geez. Crimson. It sounds like you have some can't very. Stand it. Sounds like you have some very uh, pretentious friends uh, in terms of uh, prog rock. I I do not befriend people who say they are friends who who, who are fans of King Crimson. That's a, like a red flag to me. <laughs> that, that is. Uh, We've we moved have on. a mutual friend. No, we have a mutual friend who recently told us she was talking to a guy on tinder or some other dating app and within the first day he mentioned that he's a pantera fan and i genuinely think that's a red flag if you openly discuss yourself as or describe yourself as a pantera fan um without the disclaimer of yeah but they all kind of suck as people that is a red flag to me people who say they are King Crimson fans. That is a red flag to me until they prove otherwise. You are guilty until proven innocent. Let's not put poor old Robert Fripp on the same level as the man who yelled white power at, I'm a, not, at, a, no, at a charity this, benefit. No, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, no, no. Robert Fripp, as far as I can tell, was actually a, a, a like a decent person. The videos of him and his wife like being weird in their kitchen crack me up. I I, I was gonna say like it. he just seems like a nice old man playing guitar in his kitchen. I would agree does. with you. I would agree with you that that it sounds like you've heard some very pretentious explanations of King Crimson. Um, I would I'll go and agree with you as they're kind of like proggy, rocky folk. Um, I never I never really like consider them to be uh shreddy in terms of prog i just thought they i thought i Th i consider them prog in terms of um creative song structures and like long song structures and that kind of thing yeah exactly but that's not the image that people have of them for some reason and i don't understand <laughs> i don't understand where this comes from seriously do yourself a favor sometime and just google or like no sorry not wow wow what? Who am I? And YouTube videos of Robert Fripp, and look at the comments. It is full of people who treat him like he's some. He is. He is Zeus up on Mount Olympus, and he is guiding the people through the ways of technical guitar playing. And it's like he did some interesting things, but 
no, like, that's not him at all. Like, you're not actually, like, we are not listening to the same music. If that's genuinely what people think of Robert Fripp, we are not listening to the same music. Um, I mean, I, I don't know, I, I, I try not to listen to anyone who's that far into prog rock. <laughs> I mean, okay, can we, can we clear the air here and just kind of throw it out there that I don't think either of us are that into prog rock anyway, like? Uh, I mean, yeah, I like, I like to, I like a little bit of it. I do, I do like about two King Crimson albums, so there is that. Alright. Uh, but, like, no, I, I don't, I don't spend all of my time sitting here and, you know, trying to figure out which guitarist, you know, can fucking wank the hardest. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, you know what? I'm just going to backtrack all the way to other reasons why I don't like Dream Theater. Um, the lyrics. And I really don't think I need to go into the lyrics. Lyrics are... If, if people like this kind of thing, that's great. To me, I hear... I read the lyrics, and it's just semi-meaningless. It's pretty sounding, but it has no point. Is kind of what it all comes across to me. Like, yes, going back to Pull Me Under, I realize it's like kind of a retelling of Hamlet. And like, fine, I get it. I get it. If that's your thing, it's fine. But I'm sorry, I look at words, I look at lyrics like the world is spinning around me. The world is spinning without me. And every day sends future to past. Remember when The Matrix first came out and people kept parodying it with stuff like if you want to go through the door you must open it first. Like, they're making fun of that, like, pseudo-philosophical, like, you took a philosophy 101 course and now you think you're Aristotle. That's what dream theater... That's what dream theater lyrics are to me. You mustn't try to bend the spoon. You must bend your mind. Yeah, like, there is no spoon. Like, it's it's pseudo-philosophical. And, like, when I read dream theater lyrics, and quite frankly, when I read a lot of Rush lyrics, too, like, it's just a thing of prog rock. That's all I can think, is just, like... This kind of sounds cool, but does it really? Or does it sound cool to, like, the 13-year-old me who thought it sounded kind of cool? But the 13-year-old me just wanted to look smarter. I hear the lines, Watch the sparrow falling gives new meaning to it all. If not today, nor yet tomorrow, then some other day. And when I hear that, all I think is, Oh my god, am I really about to trash a president? Here we go. The worst, one of the worst quotes from a presidential speech ever is this, that, and the other thing. You can't tell me that was well written. Anyone who thinks that is lying to themselves because you've been told that it was a great speech, you're wrong. And if not today, nor yet tomorrow, then some other day is bullshit. Do not tell me this is an okay line. Stop it. So enough of lyrics. It's fine. You get the point. I don't like pseudo-pretentious lyrics. It's fine. I want to talk about the Dream Theater's music. And I can sum up my biggest complaint about Dream Theater's music pretty simply. It's riff salad. Alright, you write a little riff. You have your whatever, right? And then you repeat that twice, or maybe four times if you want to make it longer. And then you write your next line, and then you repeat that four or maybe eight times, or maybe 16 if you're really trying to bring the song up. 
and then you write another melody and you repeat it a bunch of times and then you write a riff and then you do that for 45 fucking seconds and then you write another riff that's all it is there is no actual movement in their music it is riff after riff after riff it is four riffs for a minute and a half and then you have your riff during uh, the first verse, and then you have a couple more riffs, and you play them too many times. Play your riff, play it twice, move on. These songs are arbitrarily 7 to 11 minutes long. And if that's your thing, that's great. I hate padding in songs like this. It is the biggest reason why I do not listen to a lot of prog rock. Because I cannot stand dragging things out like this for no reason. You have a song. You have a song structure. And some of these songs even are well written. If you could just cut out the excess garbage. That was that was probably the biggest thing I started thinking as I listened to more Dream Theater this, this week. It was that there are so many songs that I would really like as like a four or five minute song that go on for eight, ten minutes. Yeah. And it's not because the song has any movement. It's not a it doesn't matter have of, eight or ten minutes worth of content. It, no. It's, and it's not a matter of it's not a matter of, of, of building tension and releasing tension. It's not a matter of slow build. You know, you could take like the stairway to heaven just to keep bringing up Led Zeppelin references. Apparently that's what it I'm doing. It builds to something. Right? Yeah. So yes, my mom likes to make fun of Stairway to Heaven because it's, you know, she's like you can you can walk away and come back and the song hasn't changed but i don't think that's true because every verse adds just a little more yes the verses do all sound the same the verses have the same melody in the same chord progression but there's a little more instrumentation added each time it slowly builds until it climaxes at the solo section yeah and then and then it'll builds to that you know the if there's a bustle in your hedgerow part yeah, basically, like the that that section, and well, well, then and then it peaks at the guitar solo, and then the you know the the outro ending verse part, and it kind of fades away. Um, the song isn't literally the same thing, and when I listen to bands like Dream Theater, no, it literally is the same thing. It is the same riff played more times than necessary, and then another riff played more times than necessary. It is just musical fluff. I don't know. If Dream Theater is maybe one of the guys who kind like one of the bands who like kind of started that style, I don't know if they were one of the earlier ones to do that kind of thing, but I've always heard it referred to as riff salad, and that's all it sounds like to me. It is just a riff, and then another riff, and then another riff, and there's no actual movement to the music. Okay, but ultimately, like that's that's kind of my that is my general thoughts here um i have a lot of thoughts about whether james labrie is at fault for being a bad vocalist on dream theater albums i don't like riff salad music and i think their lyrics are awful i do not listen to dream theater i have listened to a lot of dream theater this past week and i do not like almost any of it i do however really love <laughs> are you ready for this i'm absolutely are you ready, ready? are you ready for the album by one of the members that I really love. Go ahead. Their keyboard player, Jordan Rudess, in 2010 released an album of Christmas piano music, and it's beautiful. Oh, of course, it's a fucking it's called Christmas Chris album. It's called Christmas Sky, and it's absolutely wonderful. Of course, it's a <laughs> fucking 
Anyways. Okay, in um, all fairness, there actually is also a really cool album called An Evening with John Petrucci and Jordan Rudess, and it's yeah. it's that is a solid live album. It's very, very cool. Well, and one of the things that, that spurred this for me, going back to all of the members being talented and, and, and what have you in that regard, I actually like a lot of the side projects of members of Dream Theater. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. I think, I mean, so... Liquid Tension, Liquid Trio Experiment are cool as far as instrumental stuff go. Yeah. not They're not my... The problem is, none of this is, like, my go-to. If I'm in the mood for, ooh, I want something kind of like that... None of these artists, none of these guys are my go-to for anything. If I'm in the mood to listen to something like Liquid Tension Experiment, there are other bands I will probably put on first. But yeah, I, I, I do think that these guys have put out other stuff that's that's far more valuable than, than, than Dream Theater. Anyway. Yeah, the, the band Dream Theater is less than the sum of its parts. They're one of those cases where I think individu- in, individually they're all better and when you you think they're all going to come together and make something incredible, and they come together and make something really generic. Anyway, Chris, I don't like Dream Theater. No, no, you don't. That's that's what we came down to. That's that's what we learned in 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 the last nearly an hour. Um, I think what's important to glean from all of this is that um, this is our most magnificent triumphant return. Um, I don't know if I'd call it quite that, but it certainly is a return after not doing this for like a year and a half or whatever. Well, you might be wondering where we were. Uh, I actually went to prison for 18 months because I was mean to Taylor Swift, who it turns out is a national treasure. Um, And Jeff has actually been doing the podcast the entire time while I was in prison, but he doesn't hit record if you don't remind him. So there's no content that's been recorded that entire time. It really is unfortunate. Um. No, that's not at all what I mean. I don't know. Maybe you have been in prison. I I really haven't. I haven't. Uh, I insulted her eleven minute song, and they came and took me away. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call this a triumphant return, but it was a return. This felt this felt good, Chris. I like this. We showed up and we did. We 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 had a goal and we probably accomplished it. We insulted Dream Theater, and that was we that was sure my did. goal. That was my goal, and sometimes you know you just gotta you gotta set the sh- this the the you gotta you gotta you know keep small short goals short term goals yeah and 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 you know we'll work our way up to um doing something that we'll end up regretting saying words that we we won't agree with in a year but you know I think I think for right now just shitting on dream theaters um oh let me tell you not necessarily regretting. But since we last did this, I do have some very serious opinions that I have actually changed my mind on, and we will we will have to do that sometime. We did In some fact, flips. It will. It I did. I did do some pretty impressive flips. Actually, oddly enough, thanks to some people on Reddit, uh, some yeah. comments got me doing okay. some research. We will get to that when we talk about controversial figures, oh, which boy. I'm assuming we will do soon. Uh, yeah. I mean, that sounds like a. That sounds like. We we certainly do have some some different varying levels of of uh, controversial figures we can talk yeah. about. So um, that's okay. something to look forward to. I think I'm all dream theatered out though. Do you mind if uh, I wrap I've this been up with with our out for do like you... five days now? <laughs> right, uh, Jesus. 
I got. I mean, this all started because I just while you walked away, I idly listened to fucking James Labrie doing this is free rant now, doing his shitty fucking Iron Maiden covers, and he has no. It's listening to this man try to be Bruce Dickinson is the worst fucking thing aside from listening to this man try to be James Hetfield when they did the Master of Puppets complete live cover album. And it's just yeah, listening to James Labrie doing covers just really, really points up the, the faults that we've discussed here today. You really get to hear a sense of, of just how little power there is behind his voice when he's doing something uh, that has already been done. And it's, it's great that he sounds like your friend who's okay at karaoke. It's great that he sounds like the... the Second best local singer in the band. Makes me aggressive. <laughs> Anyways, uh, I assume that you want to play. What have you been listening to lately? I do. I do. We uh, we want to make a point of ending this late, uh, ending this now with just a brief bit of what have you been other than like our assignments kind of thing. What have you been listening to? And I do want to point out that I'm actually wondering how much bias this is going to cause. Like, what I have been listening to this past week, in the past few weeks, rather, has not been anything like Dream Theater. And I'm wondering if that made my experience listening to Dream Theater even worse, because I was just not in the, not in mood, the mood for this kind of music. I wasn't even listening to remotely similar music. Well, and I think that's, I mean, I'm... I am all for uh, adding a lot more free talk to this um, and and letting it you know be loose. So maybe someday, when you're in a prog rocky mood, if you go back to Dream Theater, we can reassess the situation. But um, that also doesn't ever have to happen because if I never listen to another note of Dream Theater against my will again, that would be just fine too. Yeah, I'm gonna be, I'll be so I'm gonna be honest with you. Like I don't think I will ever. Um, decide to listen to Dream Theater again. I will never be the one to put it on. My Spotify account will probably never see Dream Theater show up again. I mean, I think at the end of the day, I, I think I went to this liking about three Dream Theater songs, and maybe now I like five. Okay, I mean, that's that's valid. I went in kind of knowing that I like parts of some songs, and... I can kind of take or leave the rest. But uh, but at the same time, when I, even those songs, when I listen to them, I'm like, man, what if this had like a Devin Townsend or something on vocals? And I'm not pointing that out because that specific song was done with Devin Townsend on vocals live once. <laughs> is that a thing? What what song are you talking about? Uh, burning, burning My Soul, they performed on a cruise and they brought Devin Townsend out as a guest vocalist. <laughs> did a very he did like his like Debbie screams on the chorus and it was like once again like what if someone who could really take advantage of like what's going on with this music was at the helm on vocals and dream theater and you just like once again 
when someone else does it better, you can really get that comparison with James Labrie. Gotcha. Huh. But what have we been listening to? What have, I'll say, what have you been listening to that wasn't Dream Theater over the past week or so? Oh, man, I can't, I mean, your brother's got KMFDM on in the car again, which is kind of oh, his go-to. Uh, That's which is fine. such a staple, which is totally fine. I mean, I they're definitely one of my more listened-to bands, I think. Yeah. I'm going to say they're probably top 50 for me. I don't think they're in the top 25, but they're they're up there somewhere. I well, when he doesn't when he doesn't have any other opinions on what to put on, that's one of his go-tos. Oh, that makes sense. So, as we carpool, that's that's been uh there's been a lot of that going on. Also, uh I I've I've finally got my hands on a PS5, so the soundtrack of WWE 2K22 has been going on a lot. You know who's on that? Who? Our old friend Poppy. Oh, no way! Yeah, because Poppy was doing the entrance music for a wrestler named Io Shirai for a while, and she did that um, Eat song that was for WWE, so it's on the soundtrack. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, as well as uh, Iron Fist by Motorhead. Okay, cool. As we all know, Motorhead, close relationship with uh, Triple H from WWE, time to play the game, whatnot, and so on. Okay, in terms of what I've actually been putting on, it's been a lot of grunge for no apparent reason this week. Oh, okay. A, lo- a lot of Alice in Chains and Mad Season. Okay. Um, for a little while, I was I was doing the thing where I put on Smashing Pumpkins and drive around doing the Billy Corgan impression, mostly from your brother's house to my house. But like you know, <laughs> you get that you get that fifteen minutes of I used to be a little boy. I I understand. We all have those days. What about you? You you went CD shopping yesterday. What did you pick up? I dragged you with me. Um, so what did I pick up? Unless it's something you want to review or talk about more specifically. Yeah, you got Not you particularly. Got, you, got little, I, I, you got a little bit of a pile. I did buy a pile, and it's it's mostly just like I'm just filling in some of my discographies. Um like I bought, it's, it's, I, did, I did a lot of blues. Like I, I grabbed um, a John Lee Hooker album, a Keb Mo album. I grabbed a, I grabbed a couple Lightning Hopkins albums. Like I'm just filling in stuff that I just happened to not grab previously. Um, notable, and of course, and of course, it's preferred to call him John Lee, Lady of the Night. But continue. Why are you like this? <laughs> for this um notable what i bought was uh the the birthday concert jocko pastorius i love them they nick cave was in them right what oh sorry that was the birthday party go ahead i was gonna say i have no clue you're talking about no it's just a i mean it's a live album of jocko pastorius which i could just i i will always take live jocko recordings whenever possible um and i bought a live joe pass album it's uh virtuoso in new york so again, I mean, it was just like filling in discographies. Um, I have been listening to. Do you happen to grab that that Seven Dust record that was signed by the entire band? No. Why would I do that to myself? I was not trying to check. I was not was not doing that to myself. You no. never know no. when the value of that's going to go back up. It is not. I have been listening to, and here you want to get as opposite of Dream Theater, I think, as possible. I've been listening to a lot of Mississippi John Hurt. And early the mountain goats. Fantastic! The new records <laughs> so are going to be coming out very soon, and we'll be able to talk about that. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, that's been, uh, that's been quite a bit of my listening. Is is like old school blues, 
and singer-songwriter folky stuff. I've been listening to a lot of my friend Leah, Leah Mara. I think I've probably made you listen to her before. Um, she released an album called Bleeding Heart in 2019, which is just, as far as, like, Americana folk albums go, it's genuinely one of my favorites. It's it's so good. Uh, and as of the past few days, I've been really into Santana. He's coming to Pittsburgh, and it's on a Thursday night, and I'm really thinking, you know what? I might need to go to this. I, I might need to go see Santana. I've been in a big Santana kick lately. Uh, did you hear he had a, a onstage collapse? He had a fall. Yeah. Um, was it was it a fall or a collapse? I can say it was a, it was things. a it was a it was a collapse. Um, I know he did postpone a handful of shows, but I I don't believe it is affecting. I don't believe it is affecting Pittsburgh. I believe that is far enough away that he is still expecting to be here. Let's see. Ooh, actually, nope. No, no, no. Hold on. I'm finding an update on this. I believe. Nope. Carlos Santana postpones Pittsburgh concert, so never mind. I went to go look it up, and I typed in Santa tour dates, so you're going to have to help me on this one. <laughs> Santa tour dates. Um, you know what? It actually... I think he just does the one day, right? He's Santa being just postponed, the one night. so I actually really might go to this because I don't know when it's going to be. But yes, Santa only performs one night a year. One night so a year. I don't yeah. think it's ever been postponed as far as I'm aware. I don't think he's ever what had to postpone What about the year without Christmas? That was a movie. That was not based on true events. I don't know if you know this, but a lot of movies are, like, they're, they're fiction. They're fantasy. Fantastic, but uh, not the Santa Claus, which is a documentary. No, of course not. But, like, I remember the movie Volcano, where, like, a volcano erupted under New York City or Los Angeles or whatever. Like, that didn't really happen. So, like, the year without Santa Claus didn't actually happen. It would be horrible if the events of a movie like Paradise Lost happened or Bowling for Columbine. Like, remember the time... <laughs> really? Jesus. <laughs> <clears throat> like, remember the time that, um, that Deep Impact happened? Me too. I remember. I remember Deep Impact. I'm still... I'm still recovering from that time I was in space and the alien attacked. Oh, yeah, it was the worst. Yeah. I mean, at least Jeff Goldblum got to show the world how awesome he was. He always does. He always does. Anyway, no, so I've been listening to a lot of, like, old blues and folk music, basically. So, not exactly Dream Theater. Um, Quite the opposite, really. Very... Yeah, almost as opposite as you can get, to be perfectly strip, honest. Stripped down, usually people staying within their vocal range, you know. Maybe, maybe Bob Dylan gets a little excitable sometimes, but, you know, what can you I do? I mean, yeah, what can you do? Bob Dylan was never actually good, so it's fine. Is that the is that the hundredth hot take? Do we need a little bell? <laughs> Whenever you hit the hundredth hot take for an episode, you just get a little bell. Is that is that how this works? Yeah, I think so. I don't think I hit a hundred. I think I, I think I mostly behaved myself. Thank you very much. We should just call this show the Music Judgment. I mean, that's a possibility because as of recording, this does not actually have a name, so I'm still open to suggestions. Anyways, next week we'll be celebrating the 19th anniversary of Saint Anger. Now that it's had its vinyl release, I mean, maybe I'm not wholly opposed to that. Okay. Uh. Actually, yeah, next this is we're at about nineteen years. Uh just had a just had a beautiful re release on vinyl. Um 
And you know, Metallica's a hot topic right now with the uh, Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, they appearance. sure are. They they you know what we we can dig if you want to, we can dig into that. And perhaps a little once again a little bit of broadening of the topic of just terrible worst album ever. Maybe we can um touch on some of those and and get some other ideas for the fucking worst albums ever but that's you know (laughs) is that the topic the worst albums ever well i think we should we should hone in on saint anger but also we can kick around some other ideas for worst albums that that we you know you know we're aware of we're gonna rip on saint anger but that doesn't mean you know we can't say hey chinese democracy still exists what is that supposed to Which be? Which I'm sure you'll have some very hot takes yeah, on Yeah, I do. One. That's my favorite Guns N' Roses album. I'll just say it right now. Oh, dear. You used the F word. Yeah, I'll use, I'll use another, I'll use the B word. It's the best Guns N' Roses album. Oh, shit. Holy fuck. We might have to talk about that instead. <laughs> Did you not but know I'm this? I'm joking about... Did you really no, not know this? I was joking about... I was joking about saying anger being good for about two weeks. Yeah, so, no, I understand I'll, that. I'll go so far. I'll go so far as to say that there there are some <clears throat> under underappreciated, underrated cuts about on on Chinese democracy. No. You like it better than appetite and both use your illusions, yes. and that to me bears discussion. Now, so I'm gonna put on Chinese <laughs> democracy this week. I will, and next Sunday I'm gonna sit down and I'm gonna fucking talk to you about why the fuck I do will, you like Chinese democracy. I will give the I will give the disclaimer right here of I like all of their albums a lot. Like it's I'm not saying Chinese democracy is like leagues ahead, but it is absolutely the one that I put on the most. Without a doubt. And I'm not like joking, I'm not being like I'm not like playing a bit here. Like I'm dead serious. I am Ladies more like this to put man on... shit on Dream Theater for <laughs> an hour and then came on and said the best Guns N' Roses album is Chinese Democracy. It sure is true. This man said that he wanted to shoot Robert Fripp tonight, but his favorite album by no, Guns no, 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 is Chinese Democracy. I have nothing actually against Robert Fripp. I have a problem with this weird image of what people think he is that he is not. This man, this man compared Robert Fripp to to the, the, uh, Phil Anselmo on the White Wine Incident night. But he likes the Guns N' Roses song that says the N-word. I'm going to shut this recording off. You have a good evening, (laughs) sir. I am cutting this here.